Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello there, and welcome to today's program. I'm glad that you took the time out of what must be a very busy life to, uh, well, kick back a little bit and think about your challenging child and why he's challenging and what you can do to try to make things better that you might not be doing right now. Um, Only uh, two or three programs left before summer. Uh, We do take the summer off from the program. Um, But here we are today. These are your 45 minutes, as always. Life with a behaviorally challenging child can be really, really hard and, um, well, that's what this program is for. Maybe maybe this program can help make things a little bit easier. Uh, what makes things easier? Well, having the right lenses on can make things easier. Um, you want to be viewing your child's difficulties through the right lenses. Um, <clears throat> uh, knowing that you have different options in collaborative problem solving. Those are called plans A, B, and C. Uh, That can help make things better. A lot of people think they only have two options, plans A and C, when in fact it's that third plan, plan B, that can make all the difference. Uh, Knowing how to do plan B uh, can help make things better. That's frequently the hardest part. Especially in the beginning, Um, once people get good at Plan B and experience all that information they can gather from their challenging child in the empathy step and discover that their child actually can listen to their concern and can take their concerns into account to come up with solutions that are realistic and mutually satisfactory, that can make things better. But let there be no doubt, it's very hard. And for some folks, it stays very hard. Um, But that's, of course, one of the reasons that Lives in the Balance sponsors this program. Gives people who are having a hard time with the model and a hard time getting things on track a chance to call in and let us know what's hard and see if we can help. So... That call-in number, again, is 347-994-2981. Uh, 
Do feel free to call in and ask questions and get the support you need or get clarification on something or comment. Or always you can just listen to what is going on with other people who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach or trying. Um, Once again, if you're not the calling-in type, you can always but have a question that you want to ask. As many people do, feel free to send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website, and that's www.livesinthebalance.org. Have you signed up for the Lives in the Balance call to action? It's called Action Plan B. Uh, If you want to be one of the people who are advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers, well, you want to make sure that you're receiving Action Plan B um, every month or two or three will send you Action Plan B and give you some new ideas for how you can be part of the advocating and educating process. One of the things we're always doing at Lives in the Balance is trying to figure out, number one, how to make the collaborative problem-solving approach more accessible in ways that cost nothing to people who need to know about it and could be implementing it, um, and uh, advocating and educating people about why challenging kids are challenging and about how to implement the collaborative problem-solving approach. But one of the things we're always doing is thinking of how people can get involved with that, and Action Plan B is your gateway to all of those things. Um, And, boy, do we have some cool stuff coming down the pike. Um, If you haven't lately, you might want to check out the Take Action section of the Lives in the Balance website. Um, You can read about some of what we're up to, but in the next day or two, you'll have even more to read on that page. Um, As you know, callers always take priority on this program. So while I do have... uh, a fair number of emails lined up to respond to. Um, We have two callers waiting, so let's bring them on the air first. Um, From area code 720, you're on Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. How are you today? Hi. You're on. Hello? on your mind? Yep, hi. Uh, Yeah, Dr. Green. Hi, Uh, my name is Barbara. Don't, and, and don't use um, any last names or don't use any identifying okay. information. We try to keep this. Fine. Um, we ca- try to keep people who call not identifiable, but go ahead. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm new to your program. Just discovered it, actually. And um, I have a son who's got ADHD. He's um, in fifth grade. And our problem is uh, trying to help him with the time management in the mornings. Because I wake him up at 7. Then he has to be ready to go to school at 8.45. And he just kind of fritters his morning away, and we've come up with different approaches, like uh, <clears throat> like posting some suggestions of, you know, be downstairs at 8, you know, be done with breakfast at 8.25. But he's just not, you know, 
doesn't working. care. <laughs> it's not working. So what would work with, um, you know, this kind of a problem? Well, you mentioned that you were new to the model. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to... Well, um, we we, we want to make sure that we are describing and understanding his difficulty accurately. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that he has difficulty with time management. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then you also said he doesn't care. Yes. <laughs> I, I I think he'd rather just sit up in his room and play Legos and, you know. Well, um, uh, interesting thing. We kind of have to decide if he's lacking a skill like time management or just doesn't care, which means he's not motivated. Right. Um, because that, uh, which one we pick is going to lead us in rather different directions because, as I always say, your explanation guides your intervention. And um, if he's lacking time management skills, then we probably want to come up with a solution that helps him with that. If he just doesn't care, we'll want to come up with a solution that helps him with that. Now, I will say that what we usually do with kids who we say don't care is, I mean, the intervention that makes perfect sense if he doesn't care is to make him care. And that frequently leads us to a reward and punishment program. Yeah. A program aimed at making him care by giving him the incentive to do what it is that we want him to do. As you know, I presume, even though you're new to the model, my bet is that if if you read a little bit about the model, you know that that's probably not the direction I would point you in. Mm-hmm. The direction I would point you in is to focus more on what's making it difficult for your son to get ready for school in the morning. And here's the interesting thing. This is, is of course, not an uncommon problem and certainly not an uncommon problem among people who have a child diagnosed with ADHD. Um, If if you haven't read this already, you'll soon learn that that the collaborative problem-solving approach also doesn't place a particularly heavy emphasis on psychiatric diagnoses. We'd rather focus on what skills a child is lacking so let me ask you this, and there may be, by the way, some other ways to word what I what you might mean by he just doesn't care. Um, you might well, mean, what I mean, uh, he just gets distracted. I mean, he gets distracted. I think he ah. <clears throat> has a so maintaining focus, maintaining focus. Yeah, that's the focus. Why have to do right. A, B, and C? We told him, yeah. well, if you do these things, then you can, you know, play on the computer after school or. Got it. So, so we've offered like the incentives, yeah. right? Yeah. And what he seems to be proving to us, and many, in many instances, this is the case. I mean, there are some kids who are quite blown away by an incentive that's offered and are able to muster the energy to overcome their difficulties. And um, often that works when it works, and we have to be careful of the word works, because I like solutions that work durably. I'm less enthusiastic about solutions that only work temporarily. Right. So number one, it, um, number one, it sounds like that may not be quote unquote working because it's not helping your son get ready in the morning, which sounds like the big unsolved problem here. 
Um, but number two, even if it was working, there's an excellent chance it wouldn't work for long, in which case you're sort of right back where you started. Um, so my question is, have you read yet enough about the model to know that step number one would be to download a copy of the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems from the Lives in the Balance website. It's in the paperwork section. And the first thing to do, I know you've got one unsolved problem that you're calling about today, but I'm betting, right. <laughs> given, given that your son has difficulties with that, that that's not the only unsolved problem that you're no. dealing with with your son, right? Um, no, you know, difficulty with time management, uh, being distractible, yeah. those are not ones that only apply to the morning. They could actually make life difficult in many parts of the day, yes? Right, it does. So the first thing you might but, want to do is fill out the ALSIP. Okay. And um, think about what skills your son is lacking and think about what other unsolved problems you might want to be working with your son on. And then the next thing I would do is go to the Plan B in Action section of the website and see mm-hmm. what it looks like to try to solve problems proactively using Plan B. I mean, if there's anything nice, and I'm um, of course, stretching the word nice here. If there's anything nice about the unsolved problem we're talking about right now, it sure is predictable. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. This is not something that happens on a random basis. This is probably mm-hmm. something that Pretty happens every almost day. on a daily basis. Right. So yeah. um, that's the good news. And the reason that's good news is because it means that you can be trying to solve that problem proactively with your son, not <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning, when yet again it's become crystal clear that he's having difficulty getting ready for school. And then what you'll see in that Plan B in Action section is that there's three steps to doing Plan B. Step number one is the empathy step, and this is where we are gathering as much information as possible about your son's concern or perspective on what's getting in his way on getting ready for school in the morning. Um, then the second ingredient is to define the problem step. That's where you're getting your concern or perspective on the table. I'm sure you have concerns about how long it takes him to get ready for school in the morning. And then once you both have done a good job of expressing your concerns and um, they're pretty clear, then you want to brainstorm solutions. This is the third ingredient of Plan B. You want to brainstorm solutions so that you come up with one that meets two criteria. needs to be mutually satisfactory, meaning the concerns of both parties have been addressed, and it needs to be realistic. One of the biggest mistakes I find people make when they're trying to come up with solutions, especially on this particular unsolved problem, is they come uh-huh. up with solutions that actually aren't very realistic given the difficulties of their child. And here's the interesting thing. I said this to someone in Toronto at a talk I was doing a few months ago. You don't want to come up with a solution. You don't want to come up with a solution that demands the very same skills that your son is actually lacking. So Mm -hmm. here's the deal. I don't know. I'm not um, one who says, here's what the solution is, because I don't know your son. I don't know your situation that well. Um, I do know that this is probably going to work best if you and your son come up with something together. Okay, I also, so that way once, he's once, on board. That way, he's and on that board way he, and, you know. Right, 
He's on board. He's part of the solution. His concerns are well understood. Your concerns are well understood. Here's something else I know. The first solution is unlikely to solve the problem durably. It'll probably have to be refined a bit. And here's the last thing I've sometimes found. Sometimes kids who who are lacking executive skills, as kids with ADHD do, actually don't do better when they have lots of time to get ready for school in the morning. Mm -hmm. They do better when they have much less time to get ready for school in the morning because they can maintain focus for about 10 minutes. But if they've got an hour and a half, often... Seems like forever. Well, that gives them an hour and 20 minutes to get distracted, and then they're not focused for the 10 minutes that we wish they were focused. So um, I don't want to dictate the solution because that's between you and your son. You are welcome to call back and tell us what you two came up with. But I think you're going to be better off making this a collaborative effort and focusing on why this is so hard for your son than on thinking that he doesn't care. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times kids who are easily distracted are described as not caring, and that's a big mistake to make. So I wish you luck. Do call us back and let us know what you all come up with and how it went. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. You bet. Um, That's hard. Um, But we want to make sure we have the right lenses on. Um, You know, it's an interesting sense that parents have to decide what side they're standing on. Um, Doesn't care, doesn't want to, isn't motivated, those are on one side of the fence, and those lead us towards certain types of interventions. Lacking skills, unsolved problems, well, now that leads us in a completely different direction. Those of you who know the collaborative problem-solving approach and who listen to this program certainly know what side of the fence I and Lives and the Balance are on. We have two other callers. Let's get them on. Uh, we've got somebody calling from area code 519. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Um, nice to hear your voice and, and feel like I meet you on air since I've read all of your stuff. Me too. Um, just and apology tell, in advance. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old in the background, and I'm trying to talk over top of them. Yes, it sounds like um, they're doing something fun. Yeah, there's an extra saucer going for the baby. Um, So I have a a six-year-old daughter who has um, all sorts of challenging behavior, and we have been working on Plan B for, I would say, about eight months now. Um, I think I've read most everything on your site. I've read both your books um, and feel like I'm fairly uh, well-versed in Plan B. um, And we've completed the ALSEP a couple of times now as she changes and grows. Um, and the question I have for you, we also have a coach who's been working with us a little bit to try to help us with this and who's Great. taken, I think, your advanced training in okay. problem solving or your level one or something like that. Great. Um, so my question is this. I, I feel like lately I'm not sure if I'm doing plan B on the right problem. So to give just uh, an example, um, my daughter has very low frustration tolerance, obviously, um, common to these types of kids, and she's prone to explosions and I would we call them long fits um, or bombaloos over what seem to be small things. Um, seems like she has very little control over her emotions and she feels everything incredibly intensely. And so one of the biggest things that we have a challenge with and that our coaches encourage us to work on is 
um, solving the problem of helping her to calm down. She doesn't seem to be able to, when something distresses her, she goes from zero to 100 in like 30 seconds and then can't seem to get herself calmed down enough to to talk about things or to handle that emotion. And it happens predictably over many small things and unpredictably as well over those things. The more I understand her, the more I find them predictable. Um, And so encouraging us to work on this problem of how to help her calm down, we've done plan B on it, I would say, maybe six times or seven times, and Mm -hmm. the solutions aren't durable. She's a good, she comes up with great solutions, and and she Uh, also can take mine into account. And we employ them, and they work for maybe two weeks, and then they start to fail again. Yeah. And and then she is then she can't calm down and is prone to a much longer fit and then it sometimes takes 45 minutes to get her to a calm state again. So I'm wondering if we're doing Plan B on the right or the wrong thing. I mean, it feels like we're doing Plan B on a lagging skill and not necessarily an unsolved problem. Well, I guess my biggest concern about what I'm hearing mm-hmm. is is that um, number one, it's very good news that you're saying that the uh, not calm episodes are predictable. At times, yeah. They're getting more so the more I understand her anxiety. Because it's not... I, I don't spend a lot of time, hardly any, quite frankly, problem-solving what to do once a kid is already upset. Mm-hmm. Because I... You know, sometimes having people go their separate ways um, is a solution to that. But I find that... Um, once a kid is upset, whatever solutions we might come up with tend not to be very durable, as exactly as you're describing. And so the hard part about this is, although it's tempting to um, think that there might be a solution for what your daughter can do to calm herself when she's already upset, um, I'm much more optimistic about trying to figure out what gets her upset in the first place. Okay. What highly specific problems get her upset in the first place and working with her proactively on solving those because, you know, what what you're doing is trying to solve something proactively for what she's supposed to do emergently. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I, that, I mean, that that makes sense on what gets her upset, and it is working on that. That when I say it's somewhat predictable, it, more so as I understand her anxiety, it, I, it's it's not entirely predictable. Um, and and she would have, I I find myself walking on eggshells, thinking, oh my gosh, is this something that's going to throw her off today, and we're going to go into one big fit. Um, such a simple thing as we're walking home from school and I ask her, oh, how come you're walking so far behind us? And she goes into a fit about that. And I think what it is 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 I think maybe she has a bit of perspective-taking challenges. And, and I think she, in that particular case, she said, Mom, you know I'm just walking behind because I'm slow. Why are you? You know, when we when she calmed down, why are you asking me that? In the moment, she hissed at me and spit and started getting really angry. And mm-hmm. that's the type of thing that it, walking home from school will that happen again? I I have no idea. I I would well, say our list of unsolved problems could be the specific ones it, are a little less predictable. Uh, other than getting upset with her brother, that's probably the most predictable one that we haven't solved yet. Well, and here's the interesting thing, and um. Because of the circumstances under which we're talking, 
and mm-hmm. time limitations, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to get you all the way there. But no, I understand that. Right, but here's and I have I'm a thousand thinking. questions, and I realize I have to try to stick to one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always next week. Um, I'll call again. No worries. Um, what is it, do you think, that got her upset about you asking her why she was walking behind you? What is that? I guess here's what I'm asking. Yes, that happened while you were walking to or from school. Mm-hmm. But there's something about why she got upset about that one that is informative as it relates to other things that she's getting upset about. Mm-hmm. And so what I and so you know you're right. Yes, it could happen again then. But what you're saying is mm-hmm. it could happen under some other circumstance as well. I guess the big Definitely. question is, what what did happen then? What What is it that she found to be so upsetting? And can that knowledge of what made her so upset be applied to other situations? Because the last thing we want you doing, and I understand your predicament, if, if a child's uh, bad episodes are not predictable, then mm-hmm. walking on eggshells is what you're sort of in the position of having to do because mm-hmm. um, you're not sure what's coming next. Yes? Yeah. And now, one day she can question. handle it, and then the next day she can't. Well, now here's the thing about that. Um, it sounds like she is variable. Yeah, and definitely. And that, that one similar situation one day could cause a completely different outcome than something similar the next. Yeah, the hard definitely. work, and this is the part that I that we won't be able to do on the program. That, but something that you might be able to do without any assistance once I explain it is, mm-hmm. if we were to keep a log of all of the challenging episodes that have occurred in the last week, we're not looking for any of these scenarios to set in motion a challenging episode full time. We're certainly mm-hmm. looking for what ingredients heighten the likelihood of a challenging episode. Mm-hmm. So we're not looking for like 100% reliability because then we'd be saying, well, one day that did upset her and the other day it didn't upset her. If it upset her one day, then it's going to upset her another day, even if that day doesn't come for three or four more days. Mm-hmm. The big question is, if we took a look at the scenarios in which she is becoming upset – would we find some common themes that give us information about what she's likely to become upset about again, uh, when she's likely to become upset? What does set her off? Because Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have done two different logs at two different times. Okay, one yeah. when I first took a course on the explosive child, and the other one I have – been doing currently, and it's probably I probably have about two weeks of information logged right now. Okay. Um, and I'm looking for threads and looking for commonalities. And I mean, certainly here and there, it's when she's tired and hungry for sure, um, which I probably feed her about eight snacks a day. She she's wow. a small amounts frequently type of eater, and she yep. gets a good twelve hours a night. Um, but it it's it is. It, I have been finding it hard to pull the threads through, and I don't know if I'm just not looking closely enough at it. Um, well, there are some common threads. I mean, definitely. Do you think tired and. Go ahead. Sorry. 
I was just going to say, definitely interactions with her brother when he doesn't, he's younger, he's three, and when he doesn't cooperate with what she's asking him, he doesn't do what she says, or when he doesn't, um, uh, when he challenges something that she's saying is correct, when he challenges it to not be true, or when he's not even challenging it, he's just not understanding her. Those, yep. All of those things certainly cause major, major fly-off-the-handle, hissing, spitting, scratching episodes. Okay, so let me take that one for a second. I've got the tired. Mm-hmm. I've got the hungry. Yeah. I've got the brother not going along with the plan that your daughter has configured. Yeah. So we've got three. Whether yeah. he understands it or whether he's balking at it or whether he's giving a hard time about it, yeah. he's, basic, he's basically yeah. saying, I'm not going – this is – sister – this is not going to go the way you thought it was. Right? Exactly. And she but, has a real right. trouble adjusting to, like, that's on the LSAP, right? Like, she has 90% of Adjusting the changes, right. Adjusting, so now, we've yeah. Got, we've got three. Uh-huh. Um, does the reason, what, was she getting upset at you for saying that she was lagging behind? Is that hunger, tired, things not going the way she thought they would? Or something else. Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, it's it's possible it's hungry because it's on the way home from school. But I always pack a snack to give to her, like the second she gets out of school, because of exactly these kind of things, you know. Okay. Trying to stave it off and give her a granola bar as soon as we get out of, as soon as we get out of the parking lot. There you go, baby. There you go. Any other theories? Sorry. Any other theories about? And here's the interesting thing. We can we can have theories based on lagging skills. We can also inquire, and it sounds like mm-hmm. you did inquire after she was through being upset. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she gave you some information and remind us what she said. Yeah, she said I said I said to her, you know, are you are you lagging behind because you were walking with your friend the other day and she was encouraging you to. She has a friend who's a couple of years older and who's fairly influential. Um, and and I said, is it because she was encouraging you to walk behind mom and dad? Um, and be on your own a little bit more. And she said, "No, you know that's not the case." And she said, "You, you know, I'm, I'm just walking behind because I was just feeling slow, Mom. Why are you, you know, like she wonders why she feels, I think, uh, criticized when I ask her something often. And it's, it's often just a question. She's, Got it. she's highly, highly sensitive and very, you know, any kind of slight correction or suggestion that she might be doing something that's not quite right." tends uh-huh. to make her go off the handle and get very upset. Got it. So, feeling... So I don't know if that's any extra information. I mean, that's what she was telling well, me. Well, yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound like any of the other three possibilities. Um, no. It could, be, it could be. It could overlap slightly with things not going the way she thought it was because she might be yeah. doing something in a certain way. And if you are questioning that way or um, critiquing that way or um, correcting that way, then Mm -hmm. she might have a problem because she was doing things a certain way. So it could overlap with that a little bit. But let's treat it as if it's a same thing. And I'm going to mute you real quick just so that we can... Sounds like the sound went away. Um, Okay. It it could be that, but it sounds Uh like she is sensitive to being corrected or criticized. Yes? Yeah, definitely. All right. So... We now have four. Interestingly enough, I find that with many challenging kids, 
There are four, five, six things that it could be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my hat in the ring on when you asked her that, she was feeling criticized or corrected or questioned about something that she didn't want to be questioned about. Um, and So now we have four, tired, mm-hmm. hungry, things not going the way she thought they would, or feeling criticized or corrected unnecessarily. Fair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, fair, definitely. Here comes the next question. Uh, you know, my next question would be, um, what else is there? And what I would do is go back to your log, and I'd say to myself, given the things, given the situations in which she became upset in my log, are any of them not accounted for by one of the four things we've just now covered? Any if of the rest so, of the things in the log. Correct. Are any of these yeah. not attributable to one of the four patterns we've now noticed, tired, hungry, things not going the way she thought they would, and feeling unnecessarily criticized or um, corrected. Okay? If you come up with one that wasn't one of those four, then Mm -hmm. you're still in the business of trying to figure out what that one was about. But if you go back to your log and they are all accounted for by one of those four things, then I would say that your daughter is actually quite predictable. Mm-hmm. We just need to figure out which of them is going on. Getting in her way. Getting in her way. Now, we need to figure out what's getting in her way emergently if there's a challenging episode that surprised us. But our goal is to use those four themes as our guideposts for solving problems that we know are coming. And quite frankly really not much we can do about the surprises except try to make them less surprising. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot we can do about the ones that aren't surprising. Those we yeah, can start I would say there's probably... I don't, I'm not inter- I don't want to interrupt your story. I just grab my kids again. Yep, yeah, no, that's Lego. That's chokeable, honey. Um, she, I probably in my log have maybe two... There's probably two or three more things um, that, I can, that I can figure out. But I know we don't have time for them on air here. But but I would say, yeah, I'd likely have two or three more threads maybe that I can pull out. Okay. Um, and, anyhow, and then continue. Your daughter, well, then your daughter actually becomes predictable. More predictable. Um, more predictable. It, you're not so in the dark about what's going mm-hmm. on at a particular moment. You've sort of got your mental checklist to go through about mm-hmm. what just happened or what might be getting in her way. At some point, you may actually be able to check in with her to to ask her which is getting in her way. But I guess mm-hmm. the key theme is your goal is to identify as many pro- predictable unsolved problems as you can and start working mm-hmm. on those proactively while simultaneously trying to understand the surprising ones better mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they aren't so surprising anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I don't Good. know that trying to help your daughter calm down in the heat of the moment Mm-hmm. Is going to be your ideal strategy. I'm not. I'm not allergic to the strategy. I just don't see it panning out so well most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were pointed that in that direction because when she is calm and can manage her emotions, she 
she's very articulate and can and she knows exactly what she's supposed to do. I really believe in the kids do well if they can. She could she would do well if she could. That's and right. so I find that if we can get her into a calm state, then she does well. It's when she gets up and gets heightened agitation that then things go crazy. But it's why right. she's getting agitated is what I hear you saying. Well, it's Working the unsolved on those problems things. that are causing her to get agitated that want to be the lion's share of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And work on Always those. feel free One to call or two back at into a time. the program. One or two at a time. Feel free to yeah. call back and let us know how things are going. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for calling. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, like I said, hard. But the good news is that these things can be figured out uh, the the bad news, but this isn't tragic news, is that sometimes people need help figuring them out. Um, well, to the degree that this program helps do that, that's fantastic. Um, to the degree that you might need assistance in doing that, that's why I do all kinds of advanced trainings and certification trainings to try to increase the number of people who can be helping out with the collaborative problem-solving approach. We have eight minutes left in the program, and we have a caller from area code 206, and we're going to see if we can help at all in the now seven minutes that are remaining in the program. Uh, welcome, area code 206. What's on your mind today? Hi. Well, first of all, I got a very, I'm going to talk fast. I got a, a quick comment on the last caller because my daughter had a similar problems for uh, years. Okay. Uh, she uh, she said, how come you're lagging behind me? And then later on she said, is it because? And by using uh, why questions like that, if the kid feels criticized, uh, it's open-ended. And if she just changed her language and uh, did it uh, proactively and not emergently, it might make a huge difference. Just simply not using how come and why or, or is it because. It, it's made a difference in my kid's life, so it's just a suggestion. Outstanding. Um, so I'm a lucky guy because uh, twice a week I go to uh, uh, a, a phenomenal uh, therapist who's totally trained in CPS. You probably know who it is by my area code. Um, and she's she's great. And I've been to the, uh, to the training, so we're all on the same page. I got a kid who's uh, chronologically 16, you know, emotionally a little younger and intellectually sometimes a little older. Um, she goes to a special school within a school, in a private school now, and she'd love to go to a public school, but the kids are more um, neurotypical uh, mm-hmm. because socially she's good-looking and she wants to go and hang out and do the social things, but her social skills and perspective-taking stuff is, is lagging. So we're meeting uh, because we're doing Plan B and we're... Uh, looking at all the considerations uh, and the concerns on the table uh, with the public schools uh, on uh, on Thursday with the therapist so that uh, she can kind of guide the whole thing, Plan B, based on uh, my daughter's ALSEP rather than just an IEP. We have to map one to the other to see uh, if my daughter can succeed in the public schools. Her teachers and I have a feeling that she could probably use another year in the private school where she's made tremendous leaps and bounds um, because I turned the teachers on to the ALSEP and they're very good at scaffolding um, uh, the the work that my daughter has to do. So her academics are up because they're giving her the appropriate accommodations uh, for a kid whose lagging skills have to do with sequencing, perspective taking, and uh, 
just in processing, executive function stuff. Um, so what questions should I be asking, should we be asking the high school uh, to determine whether they really do have the appropriate facility uh, to have my daughter be, well, let's say, for going to a solution, 70% uh, 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 that I can have 70% surety that she can succeed in this public school because if she doesn't, then it's disastrous because she can't go back to the private school and there's no other place in town um, that can handle uh, a kid with the lagging skills that my daughter has. Well, um, great question. And, you know, this is something that many parents of challenging could sometimes face, and that is um, where, in what environment do they think their child will do best and can those environments meet their children's needs. I guess what I would be doing, I can't say that I have any specific questions per se because I would need to know your situation a little bit better to know exactly what I'd be asking. But I guess the important thing would be to be able to describe your daughter to them well, Mm -hmm. to be able to describe to them what seems to work for your daughter, and then to describe for them what seems not to work well at all for your daughter. And my daughter's going to be at the meeting too. Well, that's you know that she, might, she can that add is to it. it. She can add to it. And then I would keep my ears and eyes wide open um, because I'd want to hear what they do in their building in response to some of the things that your daughter we can anticipate that she will be struggling with. Um, and whatever she's struggling with right now, I would anticipate that she's going to be struggling with it in the fall. So I think mm-hmm. you probably have a decent sense about where she struggles, over what she struggles, uh, when things get hard for her, as well as a sense about what seems to work when those things come up and what seems not to work. But then I would keep my eyes and ears wide open to hear what they actually do in the building that you're thinking of sending her into because I'd really want to get a sense for the degree to which um, they're making good sense. If if they're saying that they do what sounds good to you, I'd actually want to be pretty sure that that's true and get a lot of detail on how they do it because mm-hmm. sometimes people say they're doing things and they're not really doing things, just sort of trying to be optimistic and, quite frankly, feeling supremely confident that they can meet a child's needs because people who work with kids tend to be supremely confident that they can meet a child's needs. But right. I guess I guess that's what I'd be going in with. What what works, what doesn't, how your daughter struggles, what things she seems to thrive at, and what do they do in their building, especially on the things that she struggles with. Just keep your ears wide open. I know your daughter wants to go to that school, but listen carefully. I guess yeah, I'll be my like advice. To go. The question is the question is timing. Um, what's the uh, what's the appropriate time? And I mean that she's growing. You can you can see that her her frontal lobe is going together. She's taking this thing called intuitive, which which gives her space to think about um, the impact that she's having. And the impact that others have on her. Yep. Now, in that space, of course, there's anxiety because kids with ADHD, severe ADHD, want to fill the void with the busyness of their own mind. 
So it you know it it comes and goes with with fits and starts, but ultimately, yep. you know, there's real good growth in it. And between that and dealing uh, with the CPS model with the appropriate therapist, and then us using it at home, I mean, in fact, my daughter uh, initiates sometimes the conversations, and I'll say, "Well, here's my unsolved problem. Maybe you can help me." And it's really quite fascinating. So well, it's working, but I don't want to go and jump to a solution too quickly. Um, and then fall back, you understand. Well, and I, I totally get it, and it's always a hard call, but ultimately you've got a tough judgment call to make. I'm glad you are involving your daughter in the process. I am sorry that we only have 30 seconds left in the program. I'm not going to be able to spend more time on this question. Feel absolutely free to call in next time. I'm always wondering if I should take calls that late into the program but um, interesting dilemma hard decisions always with really challenging thanks for listening in today we'll be back next week with another edition of Collaborative Problem Solving at Home take care